Every story in scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. This is the seventh class in a series designed to cover the 17 periods of Bible history. This is not a verse-by-verse -verse analysis. This is a survey of Bible history where we work through a timeline from Genesis to Revelation. And the purpose is to have the big picture well in mind. This will help us in all of our other Bible study and Bible reading efforts. But let's begin by briefly revisiting previous studies. Class number one, God's creative work, Adam and Eve's sin, the episode with Cain and Abel, and a genealogical table. This is all from the first five chapters in Genesis. Class number two, Noah and the flood. We read about the causes of the flood, the instructions God gave to Noah, the flood, and the aftermath. Class number three, the Tower of Babel, which explains the expansion God wanted of people into nations spread out. Class number four, very important, the promises made to Abraham, the promises God made to him, and those promises were transmitted and fulfilled through men we call the patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Class number five, Moses takes the people out of Egypt, obviously with God's help, out into the desert for their long journey toward the promised land. On that journey, they receive the Ten Commandments, and what is happening here is God is slowly but with purpose fulfilling the promises made to Abraham to build a nation from his descendants, give them a land, and through them, the Savior would come to eventually offer spiritual blessings to all. Class number six was about the Jewish people wandering in the wilderness because of their sin 40 years before what we're going to study now. So we're not analyzing verses, digging deep into concepts, or bringing up every event. This is a summary approach through the 17 periods of Bible history. In this class, I need for us to continue with our Bibles open to the book of Joshua. I'm going to take us through a quick trip in the book of Joshua. Let me begin by saying some things about the book in general. The book's primary figure is the title of the book, Joshua. And you may remember him with his companion, Caleb. The two men of faith among the spies who believed the conquest would happen by God's power. The early chapters of the book include first-hand experience, captured by those pronouns where Joshua says, we and us, strongly suggesting to us Joshua as the writer. Now, the events of the book of Joshua span about 25 years, starting soon after the death of Moses. The book begins with the nation of Israel poised at the banks of the Jordan River across from Jericho. It records the details of numerous military campaigns that defeated the inhabitants of the land. The book ends with Joshua's regathering of the nation 
for his final exhortation. So this is a pivotal time in Old Testament history. And let's remember that this is all about God fulfilling the promises he made to Abraham. All of this is connected. God told Abraham he would make a nation from his descendants. Put a check mark there. God said he would give this land of Canaan to that nation. We're going to be putting a check mark there. But we're going to remember something. God's right to take them out of the land if they turn from him. Keep that in mind moving forward. And to that, I should add, Joshua in chapter 13, verse 1, reminds the people that much of the land remained to be possessed. I'm going to quote my friend Mark Roberts here. He offers a very good summary of what we're looking at in this time frame and in the book of Joshua. The Old Testament rotates around the Abraham promises of Genesis 12. Exodus shows part of those promises coming to pass as his seed becomes a great nation, but progress on the promises is temporarily blocked as the Israelites fail to have the faith needed to enter the promised land. The promised thread is now rejoined in Joshua as they take the promised land. This book will also show us much of the dangers of apostasy while teaching us much about God, such as his faithfulness to keep his word, his holiness, and graciousness. I want to read now from the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1. That's going to set the stage in a very good way. Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you 
wherever you go. Notice the key points in this narrative that helps us navigate this period of history. From the standpoint of chronology, we have this clear identifying phrase, after the death of Moses. The Lord speaks, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Everything after verse 2. Everything after verse 2 is God giving assurance of victory, but also obedience is essential to enjoy this victory. This is so clear. Do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And then the well-known refrain, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. Now, about the conquest of Canaan and God giving them the land, one way to study this is, as arranged and sequenced perfectly in the book of Joshua, in the first five chapters, Joshua prepares the nation spiritually and militarily. You get to chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, and there is a sobering moment for Joshua. I want you to listen to this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Chapter 6 is the well-known story of Joshua and the people taking the city of Jericho. It must be noted the city was given to Israel. God gave the city to them. But their reception of this gift required obedience to God's instruction. Now, starting with chapter 6 and moving forward, the conquest of central Canaan from chapter 6 to chapter 8. Of course, inside that, the episode of loss at Ai due to Achan's sin. Chapters 9 and 10, southern Canaan, chapters 11 through 13, northern Canaan, and summary statements of the conquest, chapter 12, list defeated kings. Chapter 13 concerns the boundaries east of the Jordan and the division of the tribes in the land, with verse 13 signaling the failure to do all that God expected them to do in the conquest. The, the rest of the book of Joshua from chapter 14 toward the end of the book is mostly about settlement, uh, tribal boundaries, cities of refuge, places for the Levitical priest. Chapter 22 shows some conflict among the Israelites uh, with others divided by the Jordan. Then the final charge of Joshua 
where Joshua says to the people, let, let me quote some of these statements from chapter 23. The Lord has fought for you. Be strong and do what is written in the book of the law. And in verse 14, not one word has failed of all the good things God spoke to you. No failure on the part of God at all. Then verses 15 and 16 of Joshua chapter 23. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he's given you. This is so important. Chapter 23, 15 and 16. This is so important as a lead in to what is next. See, this tells you, this introduces the events to be documented in the book of Judges and beyond. Now, what do we learn from this section of Old Testament history? If every story calls for a response in practical terms, what is there for us here to learn about how we ought to think and act and live today? I want to call attention to three things. When leaders die, God's people mourn the loss, but can continue and must as God's people. When people of great faithfulness and influence die, there may be some temptation to think that the Lord's cause is now going to die. It's going to die. We just cannot go on without these people. Faith doesn't confirm such pessimism. Faith says we must carry on. When good leaders die, God's people mourn the loss, but then get up and carry on as God's people, inspired by the example. Number two, God's faithfulness is a constant. We can rely on him just as surely as Joshua and the people who crossed the Jordan. While leaders and family and friends pass on, the constant presence of God continues to be our strength. God was there for his people throughout the battles and journeys and changes. We can rely on him as Moses, Joshua, and the people did, and we must. The role of obedience. Was there grace? Oh, absolutely. God gave them instructions. God gave them the land. God gave them victory. God gave and gave and gave. That's grace to people who did not deserve such consideration. But what was necessary for the people to be recipients of God's grace? Their trust and obedient response to him. So may we, Christians today, be strong and courageous and obedient in response to the gracious God who loves us. Thank you for being with us. Next, a journey into 
a chaotic time in Bible history when the judges ruled. 